0: Welcome to the Illinois Association Podcast Network. I am Rich Fultz, Associate Director of the Illinois Association of School Administrators. Today our guest is Dr. Michael Jacoby, Executive Director of the Illinois Association of School Business Officials. The topic of this podcast is financial issues for school districts as a result of the coronavirus emergency. Good afternoon, Dr. Jacoby. Obviously, public school educators are dealing with a variety of issues in these difficult times. And while everybody is working on remote learning plans, providing meals for students, and trying to maintain some sense of normalcy for public education, there will certainly be financial planning that will need to be done as a result of this emergency. Before we get into topics such as short-term borrowing and other avenues to obtain revenue to keep schools open for the 2021 school year, What thoughts do you have at this time about revenue for next fiscal year?
1: Well, thanks, Rich, and great to be with you and uh, talking about these topics. Uh, It seems like every day there's a a new element that we need to address that comes up, whether it's from uh, a new proclamation from the governor or something from the State Board of Education or just uh, kind of what we hear from the field. And, you know, the thoughts that I have about revenue for next year kind of kind of hazy right now. Uh, there really is not a, uh, a proclaimed sort of budgetary direction for the state. Uh, there are a lot of questions about property taxes. There's already been some delays in sales tax. And so uh, kind of the outcomes of those things or whether they will happen or won't happen. Uh, and I know we'll get to some specifics on those. But uh, the one thing we do know is the governor has said the budget he pre- presented in February has no relevance now to what we're dealing with today. And just uh, kind of a couple of data points that I think are important for us to kind of use as umbrellas here. You know, in, in 2001, we had a mini recession and uh, you know, the state's sort of uh, uh, revenue dropped about 5.7% and that meant about $2 billion uh, of revenue that they were you know, working through. How are we gonna you know, replace this? How are we gonna cut to make sure we manage that? In 2008, with the Great Recession, that decline was 11%, or $4.5 billion. Now, COGFA has done some uh, analysis, and they say a worst-case scenario, and I'm not saying that's what it's going to be, but this kind of gives you a sense of the comparison. A worst-case scenario for this COVID-19 issue is a potential decrease in state revenues of 20%, or $8 billion. So when we come back to budgeteering, you know, whenever the legislature does return, it's going to be a real heavy lift to figure out where we're going to be, what kind of resources available, and how that's going to impact future education funding as well.
0: So what factors should superintendents and business managers be thinking about now concerning next year's budget estimates?
1: So if I were in their seat right now, I would be running scenarios. I would – Kind of keep a you know baseline budget as a as an expectation. I'd be looking at what I'm spending now. maybe there are some costs that I haven't incurred this year that'll help me uh, have resources available for next year. I'd be looking very very carefully at you know what would happen if and then kind of cycling some things through a, a strategic planning model to make sure that there's a, an array of expectations that can be communicated. And I think it's important for for them also to be having dialogue with their boards of education at this time. Um, it's kind of easy to say, well, we don't have a board meeting for three weeks or something. But, you know, in, in this time frame when things are emerging on a daily basis, I was, obviously communication is pretty important. I'd be looking at my personnel things right now because those timelines are kind of upon us in terms of, you know, letting people go or looking at options for uh not renewing certain types of contractual services uh, I would get everything on the table right now and kind of just wonder you know in different ways how we're going to meet the challenge if certain things come to pass
0: well there are a variety of short-term borrowing instruments for school districts such as tax anticipation warrants lines of credit and other solutions Can you advise our listeners on these and other borrowing options and what are the pros and cons of each?
1: Sure. So, uh, you know, when I was a business official, I had to do tax anticipation warrants in the early part of my work uh, in Geneva. And I found out pretty quickly. I started on April 1st uh, in that job. And a bookkeeper came to me about two weeks later and said, oh, by the way, I don't think we're going to be able to make payroll at the end of uh, uh, end of April. I said well what did you do last year because i had no training at all in tax anticipation warrants and all she could tell me was the name of a guy at chapman and cutler that they talked to and so i got a pretty good uh, baptism by fire into getting a tax anticipation warrant process done in a very quick timeline it's not easy to do and so now is the time for districts to be taking a look at uh, the possible needs there of course, you have to have sort of some history of, of seeing that you have, uh, have deficits that need to be filled because in order to be approved for a tax anticipation warrant, you have, to, you have to show that you have the need. Um, and of course, the limits of that need are also related to your overall property tax extension and your EAV and so forth. So if people are going to go down that path You know, realizing when you do this, you're basically borrowing money and you're going to have an interest rate associated with that. You should be starting as soon as possible to have conversations with your financial advisors uh, or at least uh, your bond counsel in terms of what are the first steps that we need to do and getting yourself in a position in case there may be a need of, of that type. Lines of credit are a little bit different because those are arranged typically with a local bank. Uh, and for smaller districts, that would be my first option. I, I would want to look at that. And, and many districts did that, you know, in the 2008 through 2012 time frame, through that recession when we saw EAV plummet by 25 or 30 percent in some school districts, um, and the cutoff of of those property tax revenues before the EBF was even placed place and providing any, you know, sense of real new money. Uh, so I would reopen those conversations, uh, and if you haven't done that, I would start having some conversations with a, with a local bank in that regard. Um, and, you know, those are, you're not going to use those unless you need them, uh, but it does require some board resolutions and some things like that, so, uh, you know, we would want to start that process right now. Now, some of these, uh, given the nature of everything right now, you know, some, you uh, entities that are either issuing or buying the warrants f- from you or issuing lines of credit may also want a more firm uh, distribution of your property taxes when they do come in you know, directly to them in some proportion. So there are some, uh, you know, some different standards I think that are going to emerge, given the fact that everybody could be in the market on these issues, and that causes some, some concerns. I would say from a pro con standpoint, you know, I would check out my letter of credit options first, uh, realizing that has the least potential impact, um, but also understanding that local banks, while they may be liquid and doing well right now, you may be reluctant to give you those kinds of loans and tax anticipation warrants are a whole other process that uh, takes more time. So you know, the, the con on that is you can't start that on June 1 if you find out your property taxes are delayed. So uh, be on the lookout for uh, talking with your advisors, getting going on that, uh, having out information and, and resolutions available for your board as soon as possible.
0: On the other side of the ledger, how should districts be handling their investments at this time?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't run to liquidity, just yet, uh, but I would know where my investments are and what kind of terms there are on those. I would also investigate what would it be if I had a CD or a set of CDs and what would it cost me to cancel those and turn them to cash. Um, But I do think the more we get down the road here, especially at the end of April, uh, having maybe a better picture on how we think things are gonna go in the property tax cycle, um, then there will be a need at some point in time to you know, to hedge that bet a little bit if it looks like there's going to be some delays and begin uh, looking at converting your invest- investments to cash.
0: You mentioned uh, spending for this school year is something that we should be looking at. Do you have any ideas in relation to spending?
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, depending upon what kind of district you are and what's happening in your district, um, you're likely paying, you should be paying all your school district employees. That was guidance from the State Board of Education. Um, because you haven't had any diminishment of this year's revenues yet. Um, and I think the governor is pretty clear that he, he he's not going to prorate the EBF this year, that you'll get all of that. Uh, that the biggest conversation about revenue will be about next year. Uh, but many districts are waiting for that first installment of property taxes, and that would be critical in terms of matching up against spending. But there are probably some things that you're not doing. Um, even if you have a transportation contract, you may be only paying 80% of that because uh, you've negotiated with that contractor, uh, which is which is something they should, should be doing at this particular time. Um, maybe with your food service contractor, same thing, if you're not an in-house operation, you, know, you should be negotiating maybe a little bit lower rates since meals aren't being served on, a, on the global scale. They're only being served to those uh, students who, who need them. Uh, and I would be looking at those savings. Uh, and also, I would be looking at those contracts because you definitely want to make sure you're providing enough resource for them to pay employees. Uh, I think that's just the thing we're, we're doing in this time of crisis. Uh, But also not necessarily paying for their profit or other kinds of things above that i always say that uh, kind of the important way to look at this is be reasonable be fair and be future-minded because if you're trying to really choke out those contracts you know those contracts those contractors may not be available to you in the years to come Uh, and honestly there are not a lot of them out there on those bigger contracts like food service and transportation so be really careful how hard you beat them up, uh, realizing that they have to stay in business and they have overhead and other kinds of things. So uh, I think the idea of being reasonable, being fair, and being future minded are, are key.
0: So we talked a little bit about property taxes and we don't really know where it's going, but uh, any thoughts along those lines?
1: Yeah, so I, I kind of see two possible directions on this. Um You know, the governor has already said, he's answered the question somebody asked him. He said, well, the property taxes are not a state thing. The state doesn't collect property taxes. That's a county by county kind of scenario. But there are differing legal views out there as to what the authority is, you know, for counties, county clerks, county treasurers, to delay property taxes. Or one idea is out there about just sort of waiving uh, the penalty for late payment. The and I think that's going to kind of be tested here. Uh, I've already heard that DuPage County Board is taking a look at that waiver. Uh, there may be same, the same thing happening in Kane, and those are the ones that I'm familiar with because I'm up here. Um, and there are some implications for that, obviously, because uh, if you have the ability to wait, um, then you can wait, uh, which delays payments to a school district, which has the impact on, you know, Lots of different things in that fiscal year and in the early part of the next. the The one thing I'm hearing a little bit with that that I'm encouraged to hear is that if a dist- if a county were to do that, they're asking people to certify that they are either unemployed, you know, or been laid off related to this uh, uh, COVID nineteen issue, uh, so that they're not necessarily just waiving fees for everybody who's paying, uh, you know. Outside of an escrow, uh, but they're waiving it for those particular people or individual or businesses or commercial ent- entities that have been hurt or have been closed down. Uh, we'll see how that emerges uh, and and if there really really will be uh, movement in those directions. I honestly don't think on a legal level that a county treasurer has the ability to just change the you know tax due dates. Um, there are mechanical reasons for that to change. Like, for instance, the Department of Revenue is late in getting a multiplier to a school district or, uh, or to a County. Or um, township assessors haven't turned in their books in time and it delays the whole process and they can't process tax bills by May 1. Uh, I had that scenario happen to me when I was a school business official. And it was about a month delay. And we were on a cash basis of accounting at that time. And I tell you what, that really screws up. Your two years of, of accounting, uh, which caused us to go to modified accrual after that happened because we saw the potential of that swing happening maybe more often. It didn't happen after that, but uh, there could have been that same same issue. So I see the, the one way it going has to do with those things that counties might do to try and be responsive to the fact that people are unemployed and so forth. Uh, the other direction has to do with legislative uh, issues. And, you know, there was a property tax task force last year. They had, you know, sort of conflicting, and you know, ideas that came out of their reports. We haven't seen a big package come yet, uh, but we're not seeing anything yet in the legislature. So uh, I'm hoping we don't end up at the end of May with an omnibus type of uh, legislative uh, bill that does some things to actually freeze property taxes uh, or do some uh, statutory changes in regard to uh, timelines and so forth. So uh, I think it is the next question because there's already been a delay in income taxes. There's already been a delay in sales taxes to help businesses. Um, the only one left on the table is property taxes. and So that'll be a key discussion over the next uh, four to eight weeks.
0: So, what about paying for bonds, and then when we get into these alternative revenue bonds, that maybe uh, the revenue source is the sales tax, is going to be an issue as well.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and I, I had a dialogue today with somebody, and they were, you know, basically saying that they need the June receipts to pay their July one payment for, uh, for their bonds. And I told them, I said, you should really go back and check your resolutions on that, because. As I recall, when I was working in the field, you know, my levies for a particular bond were always a year in advance um, because you couldn't depend on a revenue stream coming in June to pay a July 1 bond. Um, you know, that would be a little bit too close uh, to cover that. So I told them to take a look at that. We'll see what, what they come back with. But, um I do, but the the alternative revenue bonds are a different issue because they're based on you know receiving uh, the one percent sales tax in many cases. Uh, if that one percent is not sufficient enough to pay those bonds, there also are uh, provisions within their uh, transcripts and their resolutions for what the ne- what the other uh, next thing is. Is there an additional tax levy to support that? Does it come from your your local funds or your education fund and so forth. So go back to those documents, see what the issues are that are already specified because those are the triggers that need to be pulled. And if you need counsel on those things, you should be talking to your bond counsel um, and your financial advisors as well.
0: Earlier, we talked about uh, staffing for next year and uh, you accurately pointed out, we're right at that point where staffing decisions need to be made. And then there's, we're also in a position of being humanistic with our employees. So uh, any hints for districts at this time in relation to staffings?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the last thing you said there is we're trying to be humanistic on this issue. Um, it's hard to know where we're going to be in the fall. Um, are we going to be in school? Are we going to be still in remote learning? Is there another season of this? I mean, my sense is it would probably be to be in a much better place in the fall, so we wouldn't be worried about, you know, people not working and continuing to get paid. Uh, but I, would, I wouldn't necessarily throw out my staffing expectations for next year at this time. You know, you're going to have, remember, EAV is always a prior year. So anything that changes in regard to people's loss of value in their properties isn't going to hit you until the next tax levy. Um, the EBF, I think we'll see some static nature to that. So, you know, I would just be looking at what could I afford this year? And the dollars I have available are probably going to be similar to next year. And so, uh, you know, do I have a 2 3% increase in a, in an employee uh, CBA that I have to accommodate. What what do I have out there, um, and what kind of reserves do I have to be able to kind of hold things together while this cycles? I mean, I have a lot of confidence that the economy is going to come back very quick once we're beyond this. It's a pent up issue, and I think it's I think people are going to start buying cars and you know buying houses and doing that kind of stuff because they can't do it now. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I think it would just be a matter of. Uh, You know, taking a good look at, you know, what you want to do in terms of serving your students and trying to maintain those levels, even though there's, you know, a pending issue in the future related to uh, loss of revenue.
0: So what are the estimates right now on the loss of sales tax collections? Uh, Have you read any information on that?
1: You know, I haven't seen any data on that Um, in terms of macro numbers. I'm sure it's out there, but uh, but I think districts that have been depending upon that for both their projects, you know, their real time projects in the summer, as well as bonds associated with that, um, are pretty nervous. Uh, and I think a couple of districts that are were anticipating going into some alternative revenue bonds, um, you know, this year are probably putting off some of those, you know, those those actions until such time as it's it's known. But I honestly don't know the overall. Expectation at a statewide level.
0: Well, you've given us a lot of really, really good advice uh, today, Dr. Jacoby, and um, it's an ever changing financial relationship that we're all going to have as we go forward. And I'd like to thank you for participating in our webinar.
1: Well, you're welcome, Rich. Uh, glad to be a part of that. And uh, thanks for bringing up this topic. It's a really important one for our members.